Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, September 25th. Uh, first, we are going to talk, of course, about the price of Bitcoin and really the markets everywhere um, cratering yesterday uh, in extraordinary fashion. Second, we're going to look at um, some interesting new financings, uh, funding rounds for different companies with a particular emphasis on Fold, which I think is really interesting. And third, we're actually going to look at what, if anything, uh, we work and moreover what we work represents in terms of public market tech company valuations has to do with crypto. Does it have any implications for crypto? But let's dive into obviously the biggest topic for everyone tomorrow. So uh, right around when we were doing three at three, um, the price of Bitcoin just started crashing, crashing through the floor, right? So uh, it went down something like a thousand um, $1,000 in 30 minutes, uh, you know, and, and ultimately it landed um, at one point it was trading below 8,000. Now it recovered a little bit uh, and has been kind of back and forth between uh, in the lower to mid eights all day. But that's obviously quite a change from the weeks and weeks we've had of, uh, of really hovering and sticking close around 10,000. Um, and so the question is like, what the hell happened, right? Uh, and, and of course, you know, I think, uh, Everyone jumped in pretty quickly with their assessments. So you had um, uh, you had Reuters who is writing uh, that it had to do potentially with a tepid response to backed. Uh, so they say Bitcoin struggled on Wednesday to recover from the three month lows it reached a day earlier. Moves that traders blamed on a lukewarm reception for a futures product from the owner of the New York Stock Exchange. Obviously, we talked yesterday about the backed launch and what it meant and whether it was a failure. Um, and so clearly some people are assessing that that uh, the lack of interest uh, caused people to get really um, to, to start to sell off. Right. Uh, you had some folks who pointed out that this may be a possibility uh, a while ago, right? So uh, Nico Z over here says, and this is from August 18th, so um, you know more than a month ago, unpopular opinion. Backed futures launching could mean further Bitcoin suppression and potential price drop. Big money coming in doesn't necessarily translate to buy or sell. Volume is volume. Don't express your bias towards it. Trade smart. Uh, so interesting, interesting take there, kind of a little warning. Uh, you have some folks who are, uh, I think, a little bit for the fun of it and for the um, for the crypto Twitter of it, let's say, uh, playing adversarial market thinking. So this is Bryce Wiener. He says, backed was boring until the price dropped. If you want institutional money in Bitcoin, you got to give the chark some chum, some chum, crash the price. Backed volume is looking to be over 4x what it was on Monday. So this is like a little bit of a uh, that conspiracy theory that maybe backed themselves uh, were were involved in some way to to get uh, to get more activity to get more volatility. Um, I don't put a lot of stock in that, but you know, again, it's crypto Twitter. We got to have some fun with it. Uh, you had token analysts over here who noticed that. Um, well, I'll just quote them. They said the steep Bitcoin dip we're seeing right now was preceded by a spike of inflows over the past days, leading to an accumulation of capital in multiple exchanges prior to this dump. So basically, you saw a lot of money, or they saw a lot of money coming in before it was all kind of dumped on the market. Now, then there are the folks who just admit that they really have no idea what's going on. So uh, Rand Nooner, he says yesterday, uh, I'm a member of multiple crypto chats slash WhatsApp groups. Some of these chats have the biggest whales and crypto names in the market, and not a single person has any idea what happened today. Now, of course, there are the people who kind of made fun of that and were like, well, 
you know, more people were uh, were selling than buying and yada, yada, yada. But I think this is actually closer to the truth that these markets are still um, very surprising. I don't think there was there was nothing to indicate that yesterday there was going to be this major sell off, you know, and 30 billion dollars leaving the market. Uh, and of course, you know, inevitably you had um, the folks who were uh, who were trying to, to pump things back up. Right. So you have uh, oh, crypto dog is another great example of someone who um, was uh, tongue in cheek about how no one really knows. So he has a uh, he tweeted a picture of about uh, 20 uh, screens all stacked together with charts and says, figuring out the cause of this epic Bitcoin uh, of this Bitcoin dip one sec. Uh, but then you have Rhythm Trader who says breaking Bitcoin drops to levels unseen since da 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 three months ago. You have Pomp who's saying Bitcoin's short term price movements have nothing to do with long term outlook. This is true in both directions. Um, so, you know, what to make of all this? Well, for me, I think the funny thing is that there's these clear stages that happen when anything like this happens, right? So first you have the news tweets where everyone's surprised. Then you have the schadenfreude uh, from haters who pile right back in. Right. You haven't heard anything from Norio for a while. Well, guess what? He was back yesterday. Uh, Peter Schiff, obviously, back yesterday talking about how it was going to 4K. Then you have the volatility memes, right? Because uh, for some folks, uh, anything is more interesting than nothing. Um, and so you have uh, that happen. Then you have the HODL memes to steal resolve. Then you have the TA explanations, descending triangles. Then you have the macro explanations. There's larger uh, you know, price correction afoot that we have to think about. Then you have more HODL memes, or more accurately, as some people pointed out in the comments to this, that's probably where the buy the dip memes come in, right? And then you reset to a new normal where all of a sudden 8,000 or wherever this lands is the new price for a little while. And then eventually at some point, there's some crazy rip up. Now, of course, there could be a crazy rip down first and this could go through it again, but this is the cycle. And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, part of why we're all here is uh, is that, you know, you have the you have the kind of the the strength to live through these cycles over and over ago over again and not lose your nerves and keep your eye on the long term prize. But I think in in the long run for me or in the in, in when we look at these sort of short term price actions, they're just reminders to be playing the long game, right? Uh, if you're playing the long game, this sort of stuff is uh, it, it just is what it is, and you never get that concerned about it. So, uh, anyways, really interesting stuff. There's again, like I said, there's some portion of people who are more excited about a volatile uh, 8,000 than they are about a boring 10,000. So God bless for them. But uh, with that, let's move to number two. So uh, for whatever whatever reason, there's an interesting contrast. On the one hand, you see the markets getting crushed over here. Uh, and then, um, but in the kind of private equity and venture funding markets for crypto-based companies, there was actually a huge amount of news uh, just in the last couple of days, which is really interesting. So you have here, Kleiner Perkins backs 2 million seed deal for crypto derivative data firm. So this is for SKU, uh, and they have a, an analytics service called SKU Analytics um, that basically, you know, their quote is it provides a real-time overview of crypto derivative markets with more than 100 charts on crypto futures and options. So obviously the derivatives markets are heating up, uh, Backed Futures is an example of that. CME is doing more stuff in this space. Um, and all of these derivatives products, they need their own set of data, right? So SKU is trying to get in on that. Uh, you had Securitize, which is basically uh, one of the kind of um, security regulated token issuance providers who raised another 14 million. Uh, and it's, I guess it's a, a Series A extension. So it's not a, a new round, it's, it's something different. And it's got um, Santander in there and a, a number of other founders. But so you have both 
a, a big amount of capital raised, but also uh, from some really interesting uh, folks. You had one confirmation, which is a crypto fund, announce a new $45 million fund, right? So this kind of um, reflects the venture side of the market where you still have LPs, limited partners, venture investors who are interested in contributing to uh, to the capitalization of venture funds in this space. So one confirmation is backed um, or their first fund was backed by Peter Thiel, Mark Andreessen, uh, Balaji, uh, Brandon Eich, the founder of Mozilla and now the founder of Brave, um, Runa Capital, Real, Venture, Real Ventures, excuse me, and a couple of others. Uh, and they did not indicate who the, the new backers are um, or if there are new backers, but said it's mostly those kind of uh, those first set um, uh, heating up. And there, it's always interesting to kind of see uh, venture fund updates because it it suggests some amount of confidence in their theses, right? So uh, you know what's what's useful, I guess, or maybe what's worth noting about this is that basically their prediction is kind of in line with a lot of uh, call it mainstream venture venture type folks in the crypto space. Uh, he says this is Nick Tomeno, uh, who's the um, uh, the the I don't know if he's the only partner or he's the he's the lead partner basically. He says he predicts that Bitcoin will continue to be the market leader and that Ethereum will follow closely behind, particularly as a platform for DeFi. Um, so <clears throat> uh, lots of interesting stuff there. Um, but the one that I wanted to talk about most is actually Fold. So uh, Fold is basically, you know, the, the easy comparison, I think, and the comparison that a lot of people will make is Lolly, where it's a it's effectively it's a shopping app that gets you um, cash back, but in, in Bitcoin. Now, the difference here uh, is that it is um, private, right? So it's got a really strong emphasis on privacy. Uh, and the, the phrase that they use, which I think is really, really um, interesting, is uh, they say, you can think of Fold as an incognito mode for payment. We give you a burner payment code to use at retailers that lets you avoid sharing personal and payment details. Um, so this is obviously super interesting. We've talked a lot on 3 at 3 about the importance of financial privacy and what uh, what it actually means to use, you know, uh, to, to have all of your transactions exposed to uh, whoever has access to them. Um, we've talked about the battles of that privacy coins face as it relates to um, things like, uh, you know, uh, the the kind of mandate for um, information and surveillance from, uh, you know, the financial, the, the FATF travel rule, right? So OKX last week uh, blocked in Korea, um, got it delisted all of the privacy coins. So there's this larger battle of privacy versus surveillance and, and this, uh, this kind of financial transaction is the battleground. Well, part of what makes Fold so interesting to me is that they are, it's a different way for Bitcoin to be private basically without privacy being built into the base layer of Bitcoin, um, which I think is actually, it's very bullish for Bitcoin. It's good for privacy. Um, so I, I want to actually just kind of share the way that they describe it, because I think they do a really great job in their announcement thread. So they say, we're on a mission to keep your SAT stacked and data private when you shop. Uh, so here's why. And they talk a little bit about just how many rewards points uh, that are issued annually, something like a little under 50 billion in rewards points. If they were paid out in Bitcoin, uh, it would have been distributed to 170 million people with a present day value of 140 billion, right? Um, they talk about uh, that that paradigm, how they're shifting it from kind of the restricted model to, uh, to something that's um, you know the best performing asset of the last decade. 
Uh, but this is where I think it gets really interesting. Incognito mode for everyday spending. We combine Bitcoin, Lightning Network, prepaid cards, and other privacy features to ensure your personal information, payment details, and transaction data is kept private, safe from advertisers and, uh, and attackers alike. So this is super, super interesting. Um, really, really cool. Uh, they've got a great set of investors, including CoinShares, uh, Slow, and a bunch of others. So... Uh, Really interesting to see. I noticed it actually. I hadn't been keeping up with Fold much to my chagrin, um, but Mr. Hoddle said, unpopular opinion, Fold news is way more bullish than back news. And I thought that was a, a interesting assertive statement this morning. So I'll be really interested to watch and see uh, what happens with Fold. I'm glad they're on the market. I'm glad that there's more things uh, in that space, right? I, I think there's nothing could be better for consumers than uh, than really great competition between two good products like Fold and Lolly uh, to, to get more people exposed to Bitcoin through this method. Um, so anyways, congrats to those guys on their launch, on their raise, uh, and, uh, and good luck. Let's move on to number three. So number three is uh, is something that I've had in the back of my mind to talk about for a little while. It seemed like a good day. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I think it's kind of interesting. So um, I'm not sure how many of you guys have been following the kind of larger public market drama around WeWork. It seems like September, the whole story has been about WeWork. You know, WeWork had a huge, huge trumped up valuation that uh, the IPO markets really basically rejected, and then they rejected it some more, and then the IPO got pulled, and then Adam Newman, their CEO, became the fall guy, and it brings into question the entire kind of structure of uh, private capital markets, with particularly SoftBank, which is kind of the biggest, uh, you know, private market funder of of large late scale tech companies in the world. Yada yada yada, right? So this is actually, um, I think, has relatively dramatic uh, implications for the rest of the market. Maybe not for crypto, but that's what we're going to. To explore. So Arbdout today did this had this great uh, meme. For those of you who are listening, it's that like basically the galaxy brain meme where you have four brains uh, lit up at different levels. Um, and so it goes from uh, at the base level, Adam Newman is to blame for the WeWork fiasco because he's a bad CEO, to then a slightly more sophisticated JP Morgan is to blame for the WeWork fiasco because they enabled Adam Newman, to the more sophisticated Masa is to blame, that's the uh, CEO of SoftBank um, or the SoftBank fund rather, is to blame for the WeWork fiasco because his valuations gave incentive to JP Morgan to ignore red flags. And then finally, the galaxy brain is Sarbanes-Oxley is to blame because it incentivized investors to inflate valuations and avoid scrutiny of public markets. So obviously, this is legislation which uh, made it more um, more kind of data intensive uh, to be in the public markets. And this is a bit tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but it's, I think that the interesting question is, or the interesting thing to note is that we have seen this radical shift over the last decade in um, how valuable uh, companies get before they IPO and how big the valuations and how many late stage rounds there are. Um, and there are a huge number of reasons for that. Uh, you know, I've talked before about how I think in some ways the um, investor shitcoin waterfall in traditional tech investments makes the shitcoin waterfall that we saw in the ICO movement uh, look like nothing comparatively, right? You have the incentives for um, for a lot of these large venture funds. Um, you know, their partners are living off of the off of the two, not the twenty. And what I mean by that is that you know the traditional. Uh, capital structure for a venture fund is, you know, two percent management fees. That's annual uh, for assets under management, and twenty percent uh, carry on the funds that they return. And so, you know, if you have a fund that's not going to return for ten or fifteen years, you're incentivized to raise the biggest possible. Uh, you know, the, the have the most assets under management, right? That's the game. And you've really seen that, 
right? From we we used to have kind of a number of smaller funds, and now it's just mega funds of you know billions and billions of dollars. Um, so uh, there's a lot that's been interesting in that. But my question, uh, and I posed this to Twitter, was: Does anyone think that the recalibration of tech company valuations in public and private markets will have an impact on crypto? And if so, what? And uh, there were a number of people who basically said no right away. Uh, there were a number of people who said, uh, I thought this one was a pretty good, only if your coin has a founder, a little tongue in cheek, but kind of true. Um, and uh, there were some who said yes, but only because um, crypto mistakenly gets lumped in with uh, with other emerging technologies. And um, and I think that that's kind of the, the point to draw on, right? So so basically, uh, David Nage, who used to work with family offices, he's now at ARCA, he says, family offices and institutional investors bucket digital assets, liquid and illiquid, into their venture buckets. So basically, the point is that for that set of actors, which represents you know some meaningful portion of the uh, LP base, at least, for a lot of these crypto funds, there are, they are, like the percentage allocation that's going to go to something like a Bitcoin or something else um, in the crypto space is coming from from those uh, from those allocations, from those budgets. So maybe even when they recognize that it's a somewhat different phenomenon, they don't necessarily have a special carve out yet for uh, for venture, or sorry, for, for crypto rather. Uh, and so he goes on, he says, well, if capital sees structural issues with WeWork at all that have been prevalent in venture for years, put on steroids by SoftBank, this is kind of what we just talked about, and they're concerned by global macro tailwinds, valuations go down because less capital chasing. Um, and uh, and he, he kind of argues that this uh, valuation recalibration is healthy for the markets as a whole. Um, but, uh, but I think it's interesting, right? So one other uh, kind of uh, reference point on this, so Scott Army from Vision Hill, he wrote a post about this earlier in the year because there were so many IPOs who were theoretically coming to market. And he asked, uh, do tech IPOs represent a boom for, um, for crypto? And uh, I thought that the most relevant piece was here. So he says, I believe that a large amount of the tech IPO proceeds will be recycled into allocations and investments into blockchain, crypto, and digital assets. I hold this opinion because I believe savvy early employees and tech investors who will have profited from time, energy, and investment into many of the Web 2.0 companies going public 10 years later will recognize the opportunity in front of them to invest in the next iteration uh, of that in Web 3 and the evolving digital asset class. So basically, he believes that yes, that money will, like the, the IPO, IPO markets have an impact on crypto markets because uh, the money that is made, the natural place or a natural place to recycle it and to try to make more money with it is the next generation of web technologies and internet technologies, which is uh, in, in the blockchain space. So the inverse of that, and, and Scott didn't comment, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the inverse of that would, would be that uh, if IPOs get hammered and valuations go down and people don't make as much as they uh, expected to, they will maybe have less dry capital or dry powder to put into crypto. So maybe there's a negative impact. So why is this important? I think for me, uh, there's been this meta question of what are the what is the relationship of Bitcoin in particular, but crypto as a whole, to the larger macro markets? And what happens when, you know, if scenario A or B or C happens in the larger global economy, what's going to happen to crypto? Now, the place that we've talked about this most 
is uh, Bitcoin's potential role as a hedge or a safe haven in the context of a broader market turndown. Um, and there is no such, there's not even close to agreement about that. There are some people who think it will behave like that. There are lots of people who think it won't behave like that, that it's just a, a risk on asset. There are lots of people who think that it won't behave like that for a little while, but it depends on how long it takes for the global market economy to turn down. And that maybe by then the safe haven asset could have snuck in. Um, uh, Murad had that view uh, a, a few weeks ago that we talked about on, I think, 3 at 3 and on the Long Raid Sunday. Um, <clears throat> so no real clear consensus on that. To me, this is a different uh, part of that, right? How the how the association with early stage tech or just technology startups in general impacts the the, the capital availability for crypto, right? Um, and and I don't know the answer to it, but I think it's an important question to ask uh, because ultimately we do to the even to the extent that crypto is trying to recreate the financial system, it functions practically in terms of the capital available to it from the the, the markets that exist now, right? Um, so it stands to reason that these uh, these changes, these shifts, and I do believe we're having a major shift in terms of the way that public markets and even uh, eventually late stage private markets are going to look at technology companies. Um, it might have a big impact on crypto, bigger than we think, at least. Uh, so keep an eye on that. I certainly will be. But for now, um, thanks as always for watching. Thanks for listening. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Peace.